3: Slacker
0: Podcast Hello Slackers Hello Slackers Here I am at Camp Granada (laughs) Bit of a Simpsons reference there for for anybody listening to the Slacker Podcast this week Welcome, welcome, welcome I hope you're all good Um, To all of the the Slackers who have been listening to this podcast for a while Hello to you um, it's good to have you back with us and anybody who's fresh to the podcast or with um, our guest today Connor Oberst then uh, the podcast is probably guaranteed to be the best podcast you've ever heard in your whole life and if you don't feel that way at the end then send ACAST a bill for a million pounds okay please don't do that um yes the slacker podcast is a, a music specific podcast um where we get some of the best artists from uh around the world generally in alternative music sometimes in the pop sphere sometimes in the rap sphere um and we just chat to them about their early days the war stories the the early demos um their views on life it's just a, it's a podcast like um and you've got myself phil tigert who is a uh, a card-carrying music nerd um so yes uh big up to the 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 patreons who are subscribing at patreon.com forward slash slacker podcast um everybody who's liking and reviewing the podcast on on um uh the, the the apple charts or wherever it is that you listen to your podcast i don't i haven't reached out and done that for a while i think i might have like mentioned it a little bit last week but i haven't really done it this series but after i did last week um I think I think it absolutely rocketed up the the charts because people went and did it. So if you have been listening to loads of these and you want to sort of pay me back something, go go and do that. That would be very very helpful. Um, this week's podcast is with a, a, an artist who I have a very deep affection for. His name is Connor Oberst. I'm a big fan of Bright Eyes. I'm probably a bigger fan of his own solo stuff. Um, and I just generally think that he is the the second coming. There, there, I said it, um, and the, his relationship that recently with um Phoebe Bridgers, a creative relationship, um, has been great to see as well. Like I, I've been a big fan of Conor's music for for some time. It, it's one it, he's one of those artists that has pulled me out of tough times. You know, like just just lyrically and musically, just everything sort of like seemed to hit home with me at a specific time. So I thank him deeply for that, and it was very good to sit down and chat to him back in august um about this demo this demo is really going back as well his voice hasn't even broken it so i'm gonna like uh, spare him no more time and we're gonna jump into it this is a slacker podcast with connor o burst in three two one Joining me on the Slacker podcast tonight, we have got Connor Oberst. Hello.
2: Hello, Philip. It's nice to be with you. It
0: is nice to have you on as well. It is nice to to talk to you after all these years. Where you like at the other end of the, the headphones, I've kind of always felt like I've had a, a friend or a kindred spirit having listened to your music for such a long time. Now when when I'm coming to speak to you. I really hope you don't ruin it for me. I hope you're not, not a real asshole.
2: <laughs> well, I am kind of an asshole, but I'll, I'll try my best. Best behavior. <laughs> same.
0: Same. We can try together. It'll, it'll be funny. Um, yeah. So how's, how's things? How, how are you doing we, as we record this uh, mid-August?
2: Yeah. Um, I'm doing okay. You know, I spent, um, I guess, the first five months or so of the, uh, you know, kind of quarantine lockdown pandemic situation in Los Angeles. So I live I have a house in Los Angeles and I have a house here in Omaha, Nebraska where I am right now. So yeah, the first five months it was just, you know, I mean literally like me and my girlfriend in our house doing, you know, nothing, not like leaving. <laughs> like I mean, I guess we would go to the grocery store, but it was very much a strict lockdown situation in Maine. Yeah um i guess in july i drove back here to omaha just to kind of check in with my family and my got some i got some dogs here that'll probably make some noise that's good good.
0: i've got got a dog on the side too we can make them like fight over over (laughs) them
2: um and you know here it's like a little i don't know it's you know of course i'm sure you guys are reading all about it but You know, I mean, we have such a failure of, you know, obviously like leadership or any kind of plan for this thing. So you go state to state. I mean, I remember being kind of shocked when I got back here to Nebraska, just how it I mean, it almost seemed like it wasn't going on. It's like people were still hanging out. And like it was like it was shocking to me having been in L.A. for so long where everyone's like masked up and it's like super serious Mm -hmm. and everything's closed. Then you get here and it's like, you drive down the street, it's like people falling out of bars and like, it's like, it's like, it's never happened, you know? So it's kind of, and we have a real uh, shithead of a governor here in Nebraska that doesn't know anything, but, and then, and then I leave California and even, and after five months of doing all this, you know, what I thought was pretty dedicated work that everyone was, you know adhering to all the rules they kind of lessened you know they let up for like a month and now their numbers are like way back up it's like almost like it's back up to where it was in March so it's just i don't know i mean not to just talk about the pandemic but yeah but
0: it's it's i mean
2: it's hard not to
0: like um yeah I, like i live in brighton like south coast of the, of the uk and like a lot of a lot of my friends play in bands and like the bands are, are normally like on tour or they're probably doing festivals around the stage and I was, and the, the sort of commonality like that they had between them in the conversations I was having with them was this isn't really much different than real life. Like, as in, like when they're on tour, you know, you're just you're never your ass never touches the ground. Like you're you're yeah. just going from one place to the other. But when you're when like my friend, like specifically my friend Joe, he was just like, I just sit in the house and write songs when I'm not
2: on tour. <laughs> like
0: <laughs> yeah. I very, very rarely see people anyway. So like this isn't this isn't that
2: yeah I think some people are you know obviously some people are dealing with it better than others Mm -hmm. um you know I've found like in my world like there's kind of like two camps the one camp you know and you know like yours I'm sure like most of my friends are artists and musicians and um you know well that's actually not true I actually have sadly I have tons of friends that work in like the restaurant and bar businesses and they're just unemployed and yeah. wait you know like just on the dole like they gotta wait for their check and it's like a nightmare but um anyway amongst the artists and musician types um you know I feel like there's two camps there's the one camp that's taking this time to kind of like self-improve and yeah r- write songs or do th- do stuff around the house that you've been putting off for years or, you know, just like using their time, like in a, in a productive <laughs> yeah, way.
3: Yeah, and yeah.
2: then, and then there's like the other camp, which I've fallen into, which is like, have had no motivation. And, you know, just have basically just fallen into kind of just malaise, despair, or like, I don't know. I like try to go on walks try to like hang out like with the few people I can hang out with but you know honestly it's like it's just every day is the same and you can't really you know
0: you can't really can't like go anywhere shit up that much when when I, had your, yeah. when I had your friend Phoebe on the podcast she said that she'd started yeah. drinking just just for something to do <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't even drink
2: I, I know that yeah it's, that's I can attest to that she she is she very much does not drink she's kind of a lightweight But um, yeah, she probably she's probably tipped a few back, Um, you know. So, yeah, I think people are doing crazy stuff and I think people are acting weird. I mean, I I don't know. I'm just kind of like I've just been feeling like, what's the point? You know, like I like look at my guitars and like I look at my piano and I'm like, I could be absolutely writing songs right now, but I just.
0: It's hard to get it's hard to get motivated. It's hard to get inspired. But the thing is, like, yeah. what what's going on in in your front room and what's going on on the sort of face of things are two completely different things, because like, if you're like me or just a fan of your of your music, um, on the face of things, it looks like you've never been busier because you've got Bright Eyes record out and you're like, you know, doing doing like releasing tracks, um, like Mariana Trench just came out. So like, you know, in the public facing thing, everybody's like, oh wow, like you know. Right as back, Connor's back at it. Amazing, but the, the reality of it is it's like you're probably playing ball in a cup in your front room. You're like,
2: yeah, I'm totally. ball in that cup. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we, you know, as you know, whatever they say about all the best laid plans or whatever, but you know, we were we were all set to go. You know, I mean, just like everybody, it's, it's not even worth complaining about. But um, you know, we were probably two weeks out from going to Japan was the first show. Mm. Actually Phoebe was, we were gonna go to Japan together and like go on like all this like fun, like, like vacation. It was gonna be like really sweet. And then like, we were gonna play our first show, like, um, you know, this like the first Friday show. And we had like all these Japanese musicians lined up and it was like exciting. Ah. Oh my- and, Um, it was like about two weeks out that they, uh, you know, it was like, you can't go to Japan. And then we were like, okay, well, you know, at that point, so this is early March, we're like, okay, well, maybe it's just like an Asia thing. Maybe it's like, it'll still be cool to do all the other stuff we had planned. And then that all kind of got dusted. And so. Yeah, I mean what was this like grand um you know probably almost two year plan that we had made, you know, for like a year before it, um, after making the record, kinda all got swept away and then I don't know, you're just left with this like um this weird like what do I you know, I mean, I guess fingers crossed, like maybe next summer or something we can like do shows again, but like, you know. I'm just left with this sort of like void of a year that was there was so much stuff planned and now it's like i mean obviously we've been trying to promote the record as best as we can you know doing interviews and doing little video stuff or whatever but you know it's not the same as like live stream, rock and roll tour. Just
0: live stream yeah. yeah exactly man live streams just dude yeah. don't 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 come back at you um, yeah. in, in in that same way but the way that you move from project to project over the years means that like this is going to be like <laughs> like it's gonna be like three buses arriving at once like next year you'll probably have like a bright eyes record a solo record like a poker record a drum and bass record and a hip-hop record all dropping
2: in 20. hopefully hopefully
0: <laughs> you get that motivation back first i suppose um yeah. the, the demo that we have um to start the the podcast if anybody is Fresh into the Slacker podcast um, and is coming here to, to hear from Connor. The, the This podcast plays demos from some of the greatest um, musicians there are going. Um, I suggest you go back and listen to maybe Johnny Marr playing a version of, of Gene. Um, oh God, i got it. I don't even know what to... Yeah, the, Phoebe Bridgers did one of Motion Sickness a couple of months ago as well, which is pretty sick. And today we've got one that I didn't even know existed, which is really cool. And the whole point of this thing is... Um, a demo of, I don't know what HR you, you can tell me, but it's a demo of Commander Venus, which was your band. And do you feel at home?
2: <laughs> yeah. So it's not even a demo. It's like an actually released album. But um, we, uh, we. So I started writing songs when I was about twelve years old, and I put out a couple cassette tapes under my own name. Um. One was called Water and one was called uh Here's a Special Treatment. <laughs> and um, you know, recorded on four track, sold them for three dollars at the one cool record store in town. I had I had just started playing shows, you know. This is like, you know, that was ninety, yeah, like ninety three. Um that was my first, you know just entry into music. And, um, luckily there was a pretty su- supportive music scene, you know, older, you know, older people around town that were, you know, I think at first I was basically like a novelty act. Cause I was just a little kid that got up on stage with my acoustic guitar and screamed and, um, <laughs> people, uh, reacted to that, but there's, um, you know, there was some older people in, in Omaha, like, um, This guy, Simon Joyner, who's a really great songwriter, who um, was a big inspiration to me. And then um, the guys like Tim Casher, who went on to be, um, you know, to do Cursive and to do uh, Good Life and all these other bands, you know, he was, you know, he was about, what, five years older than me my oldest 18 yeah uh, you know yeah exactly my my you know my oldest brother maddie played in bands um this guy named ted stevens who was in mike mogus's first band called lullaby for the working class he was actually um the first guy to like come over and record my first uh my first album i guess my yeah. cassette album um mm-hmm. But anyway, when I was about when I was fourteen, I guess fourteen, I um, Tim Casher, who was like basically my hero, and was he was in a band called Slow Down Virginia at the time before he formed Cursive. But I was kind of, you know, I was obsessed with him. I thought he was the greatest, and he decided to start a band with me. And so when I was fourteen, yeah, he's probably like eighteen. We started this band called Commander Venus. It was the just at first. It was just the three of us, uh, us and our, this guy, uh, this guy Matt Bowen, who's a drummer. We were a three-piece. Um, we made a record called "Do You Feel at Home," which is this is the title track. And um, I guess, long story short, it you know it was like an early Saddle Creek release i don't know what number it was but you know it was like we were just starting the label and we were just kind of figuring out our stuff i mean we were literally kids if but it's your, if it's your label
0: made, would you not like have the number one like if i set up a label i have a label i mean but i don't, uh, I, don't make, I don't make music because my music sucks balls and i wouldn't put i wouldn't, <laughs> make, I wouldn't put my own music out um but <laughs> if i was as good as you and had a label i'd put myself out as the number one
2: release, <laughs> right? Well, I actually was number one, but like water was number one when I was thirteen. <laughs> right, okay. like this is, That's but great. we are we were kind of establishing, you know, all mm-hmm. our kind of group group of friends, and so yeah, I don't know what number this record was, but this was basically, you know, I thought of my acoustic sort of stuff as like I don't know, like a side project almost, and this was like my main. I mean it's like such a stupid name for a band i don't know what the fuck you're thinking yeah some kind of uh star Trek thing i don't know what the fuck was going on you know let me
0: let me me blast in a, a bit of it now That was Commander Venus. Do you feel at home? Um, not not a demo, but a, like probably one of the earliest tracks that are going um, from Connor Ober. Yeah, your voice has not broken even remotely. It doesn't even like arrive <laughs> at the station to travel to puberty town. Like,
2: <laughs> um, so yeah, that uh, that was gonna be the end of my story. Is that so? We put out the you know we like made CDs, which at the time was like a big deal. couldn't afford to make vinyl obviously but we were like we made cds we were selling them at our local shows we were playing i mean we even went down and you know this is like at this point i'm you know yeah i'm 14 15 like the first time i went to like south or southwest or like cmj music festival like we actually like toured i mean that sounds crazy and i, I think it's crazy that my parents <laughs> let me do it but
0: how did you get away with that like i mean in america <laughs> i've been to South by southwest right and i took yeah. a punk band that was on my label there and i couldn't get them in anywhere because they were like 19 yeah. or 20 how did you yeah. get away with that when you were 14
2: i mean there was a lot of shows i mean with that band yeah there was a lot of places i mean i remember in particular this place space Land in in that um we played and yeah they like they would they'd like let you walk to the stage, do your set, and then you'd have to walk back outside and you couldn't stay in the bar. So you I like spent a lot of time just sitting in the van waiting for the other people to get out, you know, because I was way younger than everybody else in the band. But um yeah, the funny end to the story of so we put out the record on our own label. We're trying to get people to check it out. And then me and Tim Casher have this great idea, cause it was right after Valentine's Day. So we go to, you know, we go to the supermarket and there's all these discounted um, heart-shaped boxes full of candy, you know, the kind you get it. Mm-hmm. I guess, I don't know if you guys do Valentine's Day over there, but very anyway.
0: Like we we yeah. do it the way British people would do it, like going, yes, <laughs> I love you very much, yes. okay,
2: very good. <laughs> Um, well we got so we got a bunch of these like boxes of candies and then we put the cds in there and then we wrote these like you know love letters to all the labels that we liked (laughs) so we you know we sent one to like merge we sent one to like matador we sent one to like sub pop whatever like all the like the cool the label you know this is like again this is early mid 90s so this like whatever like indie labels we thought were cool packaged them up sent them out we ended up sending one to this label called which is now like sadly kind of forgotten but it was this new york label called grass records which actually had um a lot of amazing bands they had like brainiac they had like the wrens they had uh this band Sunbrain that we really loved. They had they had tons of bands. It was like uh, this band Mouse that was like actually from Omaha. That's kind of how we knew about them. But they were just a great, weird, eclectic punk label that um, existed back then. Um, so we sent one to them, and this woman Camille, I mean straight up like I <laughs> like, I came home from high school. You know, I'm like a, I don't know if I'm a, maybe I'm a freshman in high school or I'm a sophomore in high school. Anyway, come home from high school one day. There's like a message on the machine and then the phone rings and this, I pick it up and it's just like the most, you know, kind of New York sounding woman. She's like, you know, is this Connor? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> I like, why? Well, and she's like, I got your CD and uh it sucks anyway she hated like she she, <laughs> she um no she like loved it and but she thought she was like a thousand percent convinced because we hadn't enclosed any kind of pictures or anything like that so she was a thousand you know percent convinced that i was like a 18 year old female
3: singing <laughs> oh shit
2: like, yeah and, and when i told her that i was like a 14 year old boy she screamed i remember she screamed she like set. she was like what the-? like it just like yells <laughs> and then she like gets back on the phone and she's like oh my god um you know and uh they signed us like we got a record deal
3: wow and
2: uh yeah they bought us like you know we did like two records with them they bought us uh you know new amps and like a van and sent us on tour she ended up you know she's i actually don't know what's up with camille i'd love to find her camille yeah. if you're out there find me um Did, but so anyway you didn't, have she, she would, much,
0: you didn't have much of a like a growing period or like you know you didn't have a bit, bit of like too much of that like early struggle like you were kind of like we're getting signed to the labels and having people work with you from the very beginning that's that's super rare
2: Yeah, I mean it was interesting. I mean I would say that they were kind of, you know, I mean they did their best, but they, uh, you know, it wasn't exactly like signing to like you know whatever Universal. I run
0: run a DIY label, and if you the size of this room, this is basically it's like headquarters.
2: (laughs) Totally. So they were they were interesting. They had an office and stuff, but um, yeah, they were pretty like running low grade like indie rock stuff and then at the same time we were trying to build our own label you know the Saddle Creek stuff and all the bands from the town so eventually we ended up like by the time I started Bright Eyes it was you know we were ready to move everything over to like our own label because we realized that they were they really weren't you know they were trying but they really weren't helping us out as much as yeah yeah probably they should you know or whatever so.
0: probably wanted that freedom as well but if you were like doing this all so young it must a lot of it must have hinged on on your your older brothers or older friends like because you don't get as good as you were at 13 like out of the blue like you don't get a guitar for your 12th birthday and just become that good straight away like you must have been like a student from
2: very early doors um yeah so Uh, Like I was saying, my oldest oldest brother, Maddie, was a musician, and my dad is a musician. So I was very lucky to have, you know, just around the house, there was guitars, and there was, you know, there was a piano, and there was, uh, my dad played saxophone, and, you know, we had like a little, kind of like little PA in the basement you know, that my brother's band would practice on. So music was like very much in the house. Um, I think I was about 10 years old when I, you know, kind of expressed interest in it. And so, you know, I never had formal music lessons, but yeah, my dad and my brother would like just show me chords, like, here's how to play a D chord. And, you know, um, you know, I remember, I don't know. I think like, like I learned like blown in the wind or something, you know, like whatever chords were, or whatever songs were like three chords. Um, I remember I was actually telling this story for another interview the other day, but yeah, my brother showed me how to play uh, here comes a regular by the replacements mm-hmm. when I was like 10 or 11 years old, which is, is like a, pretty fucked up song for like a little kid to be singing but um this
0: is what i i think like right you i think it should be against the law to play any kid under the age of like 13 elliot smith or radiohead or like because like if you like (laughs) you're gonna fucking warp some children if you like play them like (laughs) elliot smith when they're nine like coming to get come into grips with mm-hmm. some of those concepts and, <laughs> and thoughts. Yeah. Actually I mean, I, a lot. I mean, if I have kids, I'm not playing your music to them other like until they <laughs> I
2: know. I actually I've had that experience a few times where like I mean it's very sweet but like people will come to a concert, you know, and they'll bring their little kid, which is great. Like happy and you know, get to say hi or whatever. And then um, you know, the mom is like, "Oh, like my little, you know, my little son here, my little daughter, like loves your music and she wants to hear it all the time. I'm just like, what are you <laughs> what? doing? Yeah, <laughs> like you- we're we're like child services. Like we're yeah. there's one children. song that
0: does work. I could imagine like kids running around singing, um, "I don't want to die in the hospital. I don't want to die in the
2: hospital. I want to go outside." <laughs> kind of fits yeah. a nursery. I mean, that one's kind of fun,
1: yeah. <laughs> a lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times.
2: salads generally for most people are the easy button right for me that wasn't an option i never really was a salad guy that's just not who i am but noom worked for me
1: get your personalized plan today at noom.com real noom user compensated to provide their story in four weeks the typical noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week individual results may vary
0: um i i saw that you like were in the school choir for a bit like was that like to get out of lessons, was that because you genuinely had an interest in singing, or is it because your mom was a teacher and it would make make you look good to her?
2: Um, I was in the school choir. It says on your Wikipedia, yeah, I read it earlier. Oh <laughs> absolutely not true. <laughs>
0: I was gonna think like after after listening just, to like your music for such a long time and especially the early stuff that you did as well, none uh, of it like none of us too like uh classically trained. You know what I mean? No.
2: I don't know I love that um somebody wrote that um I mean Wikipedia is hilarious like I would say like 95 of my Wikipedia is like not true but um that's funny that someone said that I will I will say I was um maybe like slightly surprising is that it was never like musical theater but there was this place um called Emmy Giffords Children's Theater here in town. So when I was, um, you know, I, I don't know how old I was, I was young, you know, yeah, probably same, around the same time. Actually, probably a little bit before it, cause I remember like having to give up, I felt like I had to give up my acting career for my music career, <laughs> but, um, but, but no, they would, they would have these like little, um, you know, you, you basically you'd go, like it'd be like the summertime, you would go uh, take a class essentially. And then like at the end of the class, you know, after like four weeks or whatever, then you get a, like put on a play with your friends. So, Mm. or with all the kids in the class. So, you know, I did like, uh, I don't know, like Peter Pan and like the Habit, the Hobbit, sorry, the, uh, uh, what's it called? The, uh, the Habit sounds
0: like a better one, yeah. like, there's a, load of, <laughs> a load of like, um, people from, like, little hobbits yeah. from Middle Earth that yeah. are connected to
2: crap. That was, that was, <laughs> that was a darker one. Um, no, uh, you know, like Tales of the Arabian Nights, like that kind of shit, you know? So I remember doing that for a few summers and like liking, um, liking the feeling of being like you know like in a theater like cuz it was on the like stage it was like a, as well yeah it was, it was like a real theater you know it's like they had the lights and they had the props and you know you had to learn your lines and it was um it was exciting like i like i really enjoyed that so i guess that's not quite like being in the choir but that was probably the closest to like a no it's
0: it's still, still kind of yeah. lame like the choir though like it's like it's it's yeah. not- <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean, I, de- I definitely had to like, I mean, I went to Catholic school, so I had to, Same you know, here. I had to sit, you know, I had to sit through, I guess, kind of choir. I had to sing in church. And Did you have proper you know,
0: Catholic school? Because like I went to Catholic school as well. And we actually had brothers like in dog collars, like teaching us. I mean, I think I was like the last year of, of them. And they were like 80 year old guys who like would like hit you with the ruler and shit like that
2: yes i went to um i went to catholic school from you know yeah first grade through like high school and like high school i went to like like an all-boy jesuit high school um so yeah same here like
0: mine was was quite jockey it was all about
2: like football and, and and stuff like that exactly and like when i was young i was like an altar boy i actually had like this like i i had this like repressed memory like i was actually telling i was like telling phoebe this story the other day because i was like i literally like didn't rem like i you know like some like weird shit happens to you when you're a kid hmm. and like i didn't remember this but it kinda of came back to me like i mean i was never like I would, you know, I was never like officially like abused by a priest, but I remember like when you would get dressed for, you know, to put on the shit to be the altar boy on Sunday. Mm-hmm. I remember um this, like, you know, and you had to like, it's so fucked up. Like you, you had to like help like dress the priest, which is yeah, like.
0: Yeah, I actually remember why, that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Like, why are you, why, why is it like a, you know, A fucking nine year old boy, like dressing like a grown man in like a weird room in the back of the church. It's like super fucked up. But I just remember him kind of like, I like, once I, whatever I had to do, like put his like shawl on him. And I remember him like, he like hugged, he like kind of hugged me, but I was like, so, you know, I'm so short that like literally, like he like, Presses my face like against his fucking dick, and I was just like, it was like a memory I'd never thought about like in so long. But I like it, like it came back to me. I was just like, what the fuck? Like, like, like no wonder this like big shocker that like this kind of shit was happening. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I you know I personally, I personally never had to like go through like a really traumatic thing. But even that memory, I was like that's kind of weird man to yeah be like, big
0: time like I, even like I, yeah. I wanted to be an ultra boy and i did like the, the, the tryout thing of the day where you go and like and i what well, i didn't find out till years later that like she just went she just went and put a like stop to it before i even started do you know what i mean yeah. like you don't you don't even sort of mess with stuff like that um right r- around about the time you were like teenager like what sort of bands were you putting posters off on your wall like who are you obsessed with like like who could you not live without like whose cassettes were you like ramping up every day
2: um okay well kind of like a little group of sections i would say the first stuff that i well i was lucky to have parents that you know were pushing you know paul simon and joni mitchell and uh, you know Jackson Brown and you know Bob Dylan all that 70s kind of 60s stuff my parents loved that so it was probably my earliest experience with music and then and then my brothers were really into like um did you guys have uh 120 minutes over there do you know what that show is
0: no I, of I never heard okay of
2: anyway like in the 80s um there was a show on MTV like back when MTV just only played videos there was a show called 120 minutes on sunday nights like at like 10 p.m. and i remember my brother like his friends would come over and they would like you know they would put every <clears throat> like religiously <clears throat> every sunday night they would put the the you know vhs tape in the recorder and they'd like press record and it was always <clears throat> it was basically like all like alternative music or like quote unquote like college rock. So yeah, you know, we're talk we're talking R.E.M., the Smiths, the Cure, the placements, you know, blah blah blah. Like that era, the Pixies. Dinosaur Junior Sabato, the, thing like that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that might even yeah, probably a little bit. That might even been a little later, but like <laughs> Yeah, the, this first era, I mean, I remember falling in love. Like, I love The Cure. It was, like, one of my favorite bands ever. Um,
0: I, yeah. I, I still, Well, the first festival I ever went to, I saw The Cure play. And all my friends went to go see The Darkness. Um, and have you heard of them?
2: The Darkness? Oh, I remember The yeah. Darkness, yeah.
0: So, like, I remember, like, really, really vividly. On the second stage, it was The Darkness. and On the main stage, it was The Cure. And I only, only knew one Cure song. But I, I knew I was hell-bent on not fucking seeing the darkness. So I was like, I went and watched The Cure by myself. And Robert yeah. Smith came out before they even hit a note for 15 minutes and just stood at the front of the stage just staring at people. And I was like, this fat goth dude is freaking me out. I love it. This is amazing. <laughs> Do you know what I'm up for this? I mean,
2: yeah. <clears throat> I mean, that, that guy's written more like perfect pop songs than like anybody. Yeah yeah i just he's like amazing um have you ever met i i have never met him i've actually weirdly um exchanged like some emails with him um Mm -hmm. and we were there was like a minute where we were supposed to do some shows with them i don't i forget what happened but um yeah i've never had the opportunity but I'd be sh- happy.
0: That's a, that's a collab I'd love to see here.
2: Be like Robert, if you're out there, you call me up, brother. I'm I'm here. Um, <laughs> I'm just gonna keep shouting out to people. Um, but and then I would say, like, by the time I was a teenager, it was like um, <clears throat> we were kind of getting into more like um, I don't know. I want to say like militant, but we were getting into like deeper like sort of indie rock kind of stuff so it was like a lot of like pavement like uh super chunk you know fugazi um this is purist
0: stuff you're getting into now this is
2: like you know yeah tattoo like, kind of vibes it's like yeah that would be like my high school and then also but also weirdly because we had like i said we had this one cool record store in town so I was kind of simultaneously getting into that, but I was also getting into like more like retro albums. So I was, you know, I was discovering like Towns Van Zant. I was discovering like John Prine. I was discovering like all these old albums that I think really actually shaped my world more. You know, like traditionally,
0: really get into that sort of stuff a bit older as well. So like that kind of give you a bit of a bit of a head start. Like I grew up, you know, I was born in like eighty six, and I grew up watching American TV the whole way through, and still do. And I have this idea of like ninety seven in America, like. And it's so so Disney narrative in my head of there being jocks and there being freaks and there being goths and there being sluts and there being weirdos and there being freaks. <laughs> like, how true to yeah. life was that? Or was it just like, it was just very, <clears throat> uh, some sort of great. Well, I
2: mean, I would say, I would say there was, um, you know, certainly in my high school experience, there was definitely jocks. There was definitely like, kind of football and like, not your football, our football, like that kind of shit. And like, um, you know, I remember like, my thing with high, like with high school is I would like, I was just, my parents would like, kind of let me do anything as far as like with my bands or like, you know, going on a trip to play a show. It was always like, if I got, if my grades were good enough, if I had good grades, they would, like, leave me alone. Yeah. And I really I had, like, zero friends in high school. I probably had, like, three friends in my whole high school. I had I had other friends, but they were all, like, they went to other high schools, or mm-hmm. I knew them through, like, playing with bands, or they were older than me. So it's not like I didn't have friends. But <clears throat> anyway, my high school experience was, like, I would try to be as invisible as you know possible so I would just like walk along you know walk by the lockers and I would go to class and I would always get really good grades and then when I got off school I would go play with my bands or play with my friends that played music or Mm -hmm. go to shows or all that stuff so I kind of knew I had to keep my grades up to like do all that stuff so I wasn't really rebellious in that sense. I was pretty straight laced.
0: In, um, um, in all of them, the myriad of bands that you you had, like in, because like there's a list, and I, if I like sort of like look at it like uh, upright, if I got it here, yeah, um, the Magnetta's Park Avenue, Commander Venus, the Faint, Bright Eyes, um, it's, <laughs> it's the mid '90s band Rush. Um, did you know? bright eyes was going to be the one that sort of go ahead and do do most out of it or was like did you have any idea
2: no i mean like i said like commander venus was like the main focus because well a we got a record deal so we were ecstatic that some label in new york signed us you know and like gave us i mean they didn't give us a lot of money but they gave us enough money to like buy some new amplifiers and like get a van. So we were like over the moon. We're like, (laughs) we've like hit the, you know, we've hit the jackpot here. Um, And so bright eyes really started the first record. Like while I was trying to, or while we were trying to make the second commander Venus record, which by the way is horrible. Don't listen to it. I like the first one because like my voice is still like, you know, still fucked up, you know, adolescent. And I think it's like kind of cute, like we sound like the, you know, we like we're trying to sound like the Pixies and stuff. But the second record, which is called Uneventful Vacation, I don't recommend it because it's literally when my voice was changing in the worst way. It was like I was like 16 or something. And it's like breaking, like not a fun way, like not a cool way. And um, you've had people
0: come at you before, though, for early Bright Eyes stuff, for like doing that raspy style singing. Like, mm-hmm. like, <laughs> like, it, 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 mm-hmm. does this double it up?
2: It probably coincides somewhat time wise with that, but this shit's bad. It's like, um, it was also kind of the height of like, um, you know, what I would call like. I mean, we didn't even know it was called, like, emo at the time, but it was, like, Midwestern emo. Uh, like, there's, like, a lot of bands that, like, you probably, no one's probably heard of, but these, you know, there's these bands, like, uh, Vicious Humor and, like, you know, I don't know, Giant's Chair and Mineral. Like, there's all these, like, f- kind of forgotten bands from, like, the mid-'90s Midwest, like, hardcore emo Scene or whatever. And that's what we were trying to do. So we were like, we were playing really heavy and we were screaming and like, anyway, don't listen to the record. It's not
0: good. <laughs> you know, I'm going um,
2: like but on the But on the side of that, I was also making these little folk recordings, like just on my four track. And so the very first Bride Eyes record is a compilation of all these recordings that I made over like two years and it's really it's not in any way i also don't recommend listening to that but like it's not (laughs) representative in any way of like what the band would eventually sound like and then so i I always consider even though that's technically the first record i always consider the second record which is called letting off the happiness because that was the first record that i hooked up with mike mogus and we recorded it in like I shouldn't say in real studios, we still recorded it in my parents' basement um, and this other studio in Athens, Georgia. But anyway, it was, I feel like that's, I feel like Letting Off the Happiness is like the start of what Bright Eyes is as a band. That's good to move
0: because like... When I when I like talk about like say TV shows or, or or albums like I always suggest people to start at places like say like The American Office I always tell them to start at season two or season three because the first season's shit um, and, with, <laughs> and with some bands like I'll like tell them to like say if I was like telling somebody to go back and start a Kendrick Lamar say I'd say <clears> like start Good Kid Mad City because I'm not really a fan of the 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 previous two it's nice to know that we can can just like we'll just wipe out the first bright eyes record there and just start the second one
2: yeah the bright the first bright Eyes record has really nothing to do with anything i mean other than it's me singing and playing guitar but it's it's me like literally in my basement with my four track and it's doesn't make doesn't really make any sense with the rest of the albums but and i mean still like there's a lot of embarrassing, well, there's a lot of embarrassing things on all of the, but as albums kind of to me, but like, um, <clears throat> I would say that's like the first real record because that was the first record that, you know, Michael got involved with. And, um, and then, and then we made Fevers and Mirrors. And then in 2002, we made Lifted, which was the first one that, nate walcott got involved with who went on to like you know everything after that it was always like the three of us mm-hmm. and now more now more than ever like especially with the new record it's like it's very much the three of us like everyone gets equal input everyone's ideas are um you know we have to all three be like equally happy with it so that i anything- think when people
0: has anything changed like over the years, like, like the, the way that you approach music? Cause obviously like since um, putting out the, the last record, there's been a, lot, a lot, long um, period of like, obviously not working together, obviously you're still friends and stuff. And you never broke up as a band, but stepping into a studio with somebody, is it like picking it up just as it was beforehand? Or is it like, you know, people have learned stuff. They've got different approaches or using Brian Eno's oblique strategies. And shit like that? <laughs>
2: we do have that in our studio. Um, but no, I think for us, it was, um, it was pretty much picking up where we left off. I mean, I think that we all learned things obviously over the last, you know, nine years or whatever it was. And I think every project or, you know, hopefully every project or collaboration, you kind of, you gather a little more information and there are things you can take with you. I mean, it's not always, um, you know, it's not always on, like, the surface level of your brain and some of this stuff just kind of subconsciously. But, um, yeah, I think that we, we all learn some things. And I think, I, I think the biggest new, I guess the newest development with this record compared to the other records is in the past, I would, um, not all the time, but most of the time, I would bring sort of finished songs and I would present them to the guys and then they would help arrange them and we'd decide on production ideas and all that um but for this one you know we spent we spent 2 years making the record but the first year was just demoing and writing so a lot of the songs on the new album are musical ideas that either Nate or Michael would give to me then I would kind of live with them I would try to come up with a vocal melody or a, uh, you know, vocal melody lyrics that fit with what they were doing. And I'd kind of rearrange that, you know, rearrange it on the computer and like, you know, it was kind of like building blocks. It was, it was much more, um, well, it took a lot longer. I'll say that. Yeah. But um, I think it came out, I think it came out cooler because, you know, it just, those guys are, um, you know, when I write a song, it's like, really um you know it's like i'm basically like a folk singer it's like pretty much like cowboy chords kind of shit um (laughs) a lot of c's and g's and a minors you know chicken um but but those you know those guys are like you know i mean nate's like an amazing composer they write for like film and tv all the time and you know nate went to music school, he's like chain- you know he he played jazz like most of his life before he got into rock and roll and then Michael can like you literally could put anything with like strings on it like in his hands, and he'll play it like beautifully like they're just musically they're much more sophisticated than I am, so to kind of start some songs with their musical concepts and then build from there was. Was interesting and it was different than we'd done on um, you know our other albums.
0: That's good though. Like like great bands are the ones that complement each other, where somebody does something that the other one can't. Like I I'd imagine they they can't write the psychotic rhyme that you can you can um, <laughs> but when it when it when it comes to the the lyrics. Um, I mean, like I, I don't know whether to go into like the live or the lyrics. I, I I've always been sort of um, I've always loved your lyrics, like uh, uh because you they there, there's so much um, depth and narrative to them. And then you'll throw in like a a, a phrase where you've never seen, uh, almost every song you've got, there'll be two words that have never been put together in a song before, which I quite like. Like it it, it doesn't feel like you're, you're threading over old ground.
2: Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. I, uh I, try, you know, I think that uh, the vocal melodies, you know, I play, you know, I play guitar and I play piano, but I don't, um, you know, you're never going to catch me taking like a 10 minute guitar solo, you know, you're never going to, like, I just don't, I'm not like a musician in that way. Like I always play. The only reason I play the instruments is so that I can write the songs Mm -hmm. and perform them. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I just don't, being like some kind of virtuoso or it's just not really um that much of interest to me but writing like vocal melodies that are catchy and interesting and even though I have a fucked up voice like trying to use it as best as I can and like I love I love singing I love screaming I love all the elements of that like that's kind of like my musicality and then um but I guess my real you know my most real kind of passion is you know writing the words and coming up with things that are interesting to hear because that's a lot of the music that um you know the music that's
0: you take a lot of inspiration from what you're reading at the time and and, and where you're out and about like in and people's conversations that you're having right
2: yeah, I think like you know to me, it's always kind of like picking up little pieces you know I always think of I always think of it as like you know you're walking around every day and you might yeah, you might hear just a snippet of someone's conversation that like peaks your ears and then if you can remember that little phrase or, or yeah, you're reading something or you're watching a movie or you're whatever. There's like some little, there'll be some little thing that like will stick in my brain. And I just, I try to like, you know, collect those as I go around. And then I don't quite know how they like will come out in a song. You know, it's not like, it's just, there's nothing very like mathematic about it it's very much um
0: it's just creativity really it's flow
2: yeah it's like still like a mystery to me which i actually appreciate like i'm glad that i'm glad that like the mystery's not gone you know i know that like if i have like a life experience or i see something in life that affects me it's not going to come out in a song the next day it's going to come out in a song probably three years from then, you know? And I'll have like totally forgotten about it. Like, it'll be like, it'll be living in like the little storage room in my brain. And then like someday, like, you know, whatever that stuff, magical stuff in my head, it'll bring up that, you know, it'll bring up that old box, like out of the basement. and It'll like set it there and it'll be like, Remember that? Remember, how that, remember <laughs> yeah, that, how that
0: felt. That also sounds quite harrowing because it feels like you have i uh, have to relive some shit like uh, like quite all the time, like but I mean we all have it like it it's the it's the yeah. equivalent of going to bed and going, I'm gonna have a real nice night's sleep tonight and then remembering something you did from nine years ago and sitting there wide eyed open, freaking out for <laughs> Another, Absolutely. Um, yeah. but I was thinking right like how many albums have you been attached to in terms of like how many have you written and been on at this stage this has just come to me now
2: whoa
0: because <laughs> like it really? must be a lot like there mustn't have been a two year period where you haven't released something or been a part of something
2: and yeah if- I mean we'd have to we'd definitely have to count them up I mean I think I think there's you know there's ten, I think. There's like ten or so Bright Eyes records. Not to mention like EPs and shit. And then there's, you know, probably one, two, three, four, five, six. There's probably like six solo albums. There's uh two Despacitos albums. It's, 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 like yeah, I mean, the, it's, the album with the album with Phoebe. And there's the album with Monsters of Folk. I don't know, man. It's, it's like, like crazy, crazy too, numbers. I've <laughs> been on a lot of albums.
0: What's your favorite solo record? I like I I, I can't pick my favorite Bright Eyes record because I've got a couple, but I I know really solidly which my which my favorite um, solo record is
2: because it's like a complete record. Um. Whoa. Uh. Shit. I don't know. I, honestly, I'm really like, I I mean, I don't feel like it's like a popular opinion, but I feel like I'm pretty proud of the last little run of records because, um, you know, uh, in 2014, I made Upside Down Mountain and Work on that record really hard. I had just signed to like this label of such. And I was like, I was essentially trying to make like my, I don't know, like, like here I am, like Paul Simon, like classic, like, you know, that records got kind of slick, but it's, um I think it's actually like a pretty dope record. If you like, listen to it. Um hmm and then and then um and then i made Paola with desparacidos in like 2015 which was you know like the most overtly political record i ever made like you know we signed the epitaph and it was like just you know kind of straight to the bloodstream pop punk political music and no one gave a shit. <laughs> I literally, that, like no one cared. That record, um,
0: that record, kind of <laughs> fucked, fucked you up a little bit, though. That wasn't it. Like, cause that that record was the one where you had to stop the turf because you had like laryngitis and anxiety and exhaustion and things like that.
2: Yeah, yeah. Turns out it's hard to play that level of like energy every night. um I mean, I can't blame it all on that, but yeah, that kind of sidelined me. And then the next record I made was myself at a piano with the harmonica, you know, ruminations, which was like totally like not even supposed to be a record. It was just I mean, talk about like polar opposite of <laughs> yeah. the the Desparcido situation just couldn't be more different. It was like me like alone, literally in this room, playing <laughs> this, this piano over here.
0: Nice. And
2: then I got and then I gotta make citations, which was like so fun or so it's very fun for me because I got to have the Felice Brothers, which are like my favorite band. And I got to have Jim Keltner, who's like the most classic drummer who like produced it with me. And that was like, I don't think people really cared about that record either. But like, to me that was I, I like, I
0: don't mind like that. That record like, was good. Like I liked that one.
2: That one made me, that one made me happy. Cause I was like getting to play with like all my favorite musicians. Mm. And then, and then you know doing the better oblivion stuff with phoebe was the next thing which was like totally kind of out of left field but you know that was super magical just you know because i love her so much and she's such a great songwriter and that was like a totally new experience that I didn't see coming really so
0: sweet like seeing it as well because like the 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 shared respect that you can see on stage and you can hear on record Mm -hmm. is like you can hear your songwriting in phoebe's first album and you can tell that you've been an influence on her but like you can also see how much energy that she gives you as well like so like there's this like perfect 50 50 balance in a in the group
2: totally i mean you know she's you know she's one of my best friends in the whole world and um yeah i i couldn't um did she, I, ever, I, tell you,
0: did she ever tell you the story about the time she shot herself on stage in london that was my that me. was my club night she told me <laughs> that she told me that and i'd never she like i had no idea like, uh-huh. on the night i had no idea until she told me she told me a couple months ago I think I sat in my kitchen, like, w- w- after the podcast had finished, like, I'd had PTSD. I was looking off into the distance, like, I can't believe Phoebe Bridges shot herself on my <laughs> night.
2: She has told me that story. Um, yeah. Hey, happens to the best of us, you know, sometimes. Have you,
0: have you shot yourself on any <laughs> stage at any, any, to any point in the
2: <laughs> I I have been, like, um, I probably have, like, you know, I'd have to I'd have to like circle back with her and see uh see uh you know, what level we're talking about. But I've definitely like <laughs> shat myself a little bit and I've i I've definitely like thrown up behind the amps and I've had to like run off stage to like be sick or like find a restroom. I mean it just happens. It's like there's a lot of Sometimes, like when you're traveling, you're not that healthy, you're kind of nervous, you know a lot of stuff yeah. can go down, so if
0: you're on stage theres a, two not, hours a no, night that's that, a, yeah. that's a one twelfth of the day that you have to be not sick on stage for. that's quite a <laughs> right <lot. laughs>
2: it's like it's, no no shame in that game no shame, you know? no, shame, no yeah. shame at all,
0: um <laughs> so like we got the bright eyes record it's 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 coming out um. Like very very soon, Friday is it? Friday, Friday, yeah. Um, man, all the best with it. Like seriously, like I, I'm absolutely stoked that um Fridays are back, um releasing music, and uh, I yeah, I'm just fo- following like a little uh musical disciple of whatever shit you decide to drop next. Like, <laughs> so, like yeah, whatever poker record it is that you, you you've got coming in uh, 2021. twenty twenty one, I'll be there.
2: Cool. Well, I got my only last question for you, Philip, is like, do you think I'm an asshole? <laughs> no, I definitely don't think you're an asshole. Do you think I'm an asshole? Uh, no, I think you're lovely. I think yes. you're a beautiful man. All right. First, Bap. first bump, All right. Uh, All right. You've made my day,
0: Connor. Um, uh, okay. have, a, have a good uh, rest of the day and good luck with the record on Friday.
2: All right, love you, buddy. You take some you get some sleep, all right? <laughs> Cheers, we'll, man. we'll talk we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Peace.